Well, hello, Watermark family and others that are tuning in. This is uh, a bit of an unusual weekend here. We're uh, March 14th and 15th weekend, and we are thrilled to just um, get to share with you a little bit of the perspective that I think would be uh, an encouragement to all of us at this time. It is um, a privilege to take this little bit of moment to you. Let me just say this. While we wish we were together, it, it, uh, in being apart, it's a reminder of the privilege of being together. I, I remind myself all the time when something happens to me that limits my mobility or my health, how much I should be grateful for my good health. And in the same way, when we're not together like this, it reminds us what a privilege it is to be together. We're trying to be good neighbors. I think you've followed our communication all along here these um, last several days. We tried not to be too quick in making decisions. I know the NCAA has canceled tournaments all the way through the month of June, for instance. You know, they're saying things in Omaha in June aren't going to happen. And that might prove to be wise, but we don't feel like we need to say today what we're going to do for a long time. What we know we want to do today is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing if we do that, everything necessary will be added to us. We don't need to be anxious about tomorrow. And I just want to start by saying I, I talked with the mayor, Eric Johnson of Dallas yesterday, and uh, as did many others, and um, I don't think what we're doing right now is because anybody is anxious. In fact, let me just say this. I'm really proud of our government officials, folks that are taking a look at this thing and trying to figure out what they can do to flatten the curve. If that's not a phrase you're familiar with, I probably wasn't that familiar with it myself until um, about a week ago. And I would encourage you just if you want to, and you want to read more about what's going on with this illness and why some of the extraordinary precautions are being taken, just Google flatten the curve and check it out. Uh, phrases like community resistance, of which there is none. Just so you know, the, this particular novel coronavirus, the coronavirus has been around for a long time, but this particular novel one was completely unknown to the human condition until December of this year, which is why it's called uh, what it is, you know, COVID-19. And so um, there is no resistance anywhere on earth. The flu, and we all have heard the numbers and the fact that a lot of people die, even with the American flu, um, every year, there is a built-up resistance to a disease that's endemic to a certain area. But there is nobody on earth that has any kind of immunity, apparently, to this particular expression of the flu. So uh, it's been really interesting for me just to go back. I love history. I'm sure many of you guys do. Uh, there are certain cities that responded to the Spanish flu, which is literally 100 years ago from right now. Um, there was the Spanish flu that hit our country. And certain cities like Philadelphia continued public gatherings. They, they did a big parade celebrating some things when health officials were saying, I'm not sure I'd do that. Whereas towns like St. Louis, frankly, faced a lot of criticism by saying, hey, we're gonna just slow down some public gatherings and some events that we had planned. And it turned out that the implications of that turned out to be really wise in St. Louis. Uh, they had one-eighth the death rate um, in St. Louis that they did in Philadelphia, as an example. So I think wisely our government officials are trying to say, hey, if there's some simple things that we can do with this other phrase you probably never heard before, social distancing, that have um, come into play in our vernacular here of late, we should probably do them. And so we're trying to be good neighbors and good citizens. We don't believe it's sin for us not to be together this particular day. If we did, we would lean into that. But being prudent is not sin. In fact, the scripture tells us that uh, we should be prudent, that all along part of wisdom is for us to take a look at some things and, and consider as to whether or not 
this particular thing is what we should do in this moment. I think we're seeing some prudence with our government leaders and we're trying to be good neighbors and good citizens and showing some prudence as well. If there's any community of faith, if there's any group of people that were ready for this moment, it's us. We ourselves decided not to gather together corporately uh, last fall so that we could be present in our neighborhood. How great that you uh, were already in your neighborhood telling your friends, hey, I'm here, I'm God's provision for you, God's servant, right? Uh, to be here in this particular neighborhood. We're not snake handlers. That's why we don't throw ourselves at crazy gatherings just to prove we won't get sick. No, we're servants. And we're right there in our neighborhoods and everybody in your neighborhood should know that God's got his source of grace in you right where you are. We did think it'd be helpful though for us to get together in this way, just to talk about a few things. And then I just thought I'd open up God's word. We're just gonna have a chance to um, reflect on God's word together. And I know that you'll be doing that in appropriate smaller communities based on what wisdom would have you and your particular community group to do um, all throughout the week as you devote daily and as you pursue each other relationally with appropriate social distancing, as you admonish each other uh, just to continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as you live authentically and just talk about how you're using your time. We're gonna talk about that here in just a minute as you certainly in all things counsel biblically. That's one of the best things that we can do in this moment. The world's trying to figure out how to respond to this. And we have been given uh, just some really good counsel from God's word, how to respond to all things, right? Of all people, we should not be the ones that panic because that's how we're going to engage missionally. Proverbs 24.10 says, he was slack in the day of distress. His strength is limited. And far be it from our God to ever call us into a moment that, um, that we're not completely ready for. So let me just, just tell you just some basic logistics, what we're doing because we wanna be good neighbors and because we wanna be wise and because, like I said, we're servants and not snake handlers. Um, we are going to do what the city of Dallas has asked us to do so far. Some cities uh, have said, hey, we're gonna shut down all things till the end of March. Right now, the city of Dallas is just asking us to do it for seven days. If you had, you know, I guess if you were gonna ask me, I would bet that they kind of tipped their hand yesterday. They might even extend this out another week um, as prudence and wisdom would have them as government officials um, consider and make those decisions. They're consulting widely. I want to tell you about a question I asked um, our mayor yesterday just to encourage you, I think, a little bit uh, about why the considerations were made that they were and why other steps weren't taken. And um, uh, I just think we should probably prepare ourselves that this is the most loving thing to do for a season. Again, if we thought it was sin, for us not to gather in this particular way, we would probably say, hey, we're gonna do it. No, we wouldn't probably say, we would say we're going to do it, but we don't think it's sin to be good citizens. We don't think it's sin in this particular moment to gather in other ways. By the way, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which says, don't forsake your assembling together is the habit of some, is not talking about, and I've said this repeatedly in the past, is not just talking about Sunday or Saturday gatherings. It's talking about the fact that Christians should never isolate, right? Wise men always seek solitude, but it's fools that isolate. And one of the things that you hear us talk about again and again, because we love you. And in fact, so many folks who are regular tenants at Watermark who don't have a formal network to be cared for and supported right now, they're realizing, doggone, man, I wish I had a community of folks that were like-minded with me, that shared the same passion for the things that God told me I should be passionate about to care for me and be in contact with me formally through this time. So I would encourage you, the first chance you get, if you're not a member, to get that thing rolling because um, we want to know who our family is. So we're going to try and care for our whole community. I know you will. I know you'll be present right where you are, uh, each of you. But 
When the scripture says, don't forsake your own assembly together, it's not just talking about our all church gathering that's weekly. We certainly should do that. But he's talking about just day by day. We know also in Hebrews, it says this in chapter three, verse 13, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today, so you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So all of us need to be doing that right now in every way that we always have, and probably even with a little bit more intentionality. Let me just um, remind you of a few things. And here's what I want to do is, as I share with you that we're basically stopping um, all activities on our campus. Our churches, our smaller communities, if you will, are going to continue to meet in every way that's appropriate in smaller gatherings. And we encourage you to do that. We'll pump out a lot of fun resources this next week. We're going to every day kind of drop the best of stuff related to um, recovery things and regen on, on Mondays. Our porch is going to broadcast similarly on Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday night, we're going to uh, put out some best stuff on marriage and uh, family and things like that. Thursday night, there'll be uh, Thursday, there'll be some equipping stuff that we'll put out there because we know our women meet on Wednesday and Thursday, our men meet on Thursday. So all kinds of stuff is going to be coming and resources that we think are best of for you to use in your smaller communities. And then if this does continue, we are already working on what we're gonna do that's gonna be fresh and I think really fun, really creative and really helpful if we move out beyond this particular week. So we're so glad you're here. Um, All our campuses uh, are gonna go through a thorough cleaning just because we have an opportunity to do that. So we're gonna take advantage of that. Um, Our staff is still gonna be actively working, ready to serve you in any particular way that we can, uh, constantly available through email, through phone and as appropriate, very, very present with you as we'll be pouring with and meeting with leaders all the time. Would you please let us know if there's anything that's going on inside your smaller communities that your particular community cannot address. In other words, that we can widen out to the broader part of the church. We realize that there is gonna be an uh, an economic impact to this. And so some of our members in our body that are tied to hourly wage or maybe work with certain industries that um, are no longer operating, there's going to be um, an issue with how to provide for yourself. So you need to be in good communication first, always, with others that are part of that smaller provision, and then through your shepherd and through your community staff person, and then we will make sure it's disseminated broadly throughout our body so we care for every single one of our members. So we're glad you're with us today. Um, You know, there's a couple things I want to do before we get into what would be just a time of scripture study and reflection you know, as I thought about what God would have us do at this particular moment, like I said, the very first thing he said, Todd, you should do what you always are supposed to do, right? Seek me, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Um, I hope, and we'll, we'll make sure all these resources are available to you, uh, and we push out through links that um, will be put together even right now when we're done uh, with our sermon study guide. So you can take a look at that, and you'll see links to all these other resources that I'm pushing you to. We're putting together a, a playlist on Spotify, That's a free account you can get set up that'll have worship opportunities there for you just to listen to great music in your smaller communities or those of you that are musical can tear into it. Um, I hope you had a chance to read the article that I wrote that we um, posted on my website and then the Gospel Coalition people picked up and has been translated now into um, a lot of different languages because truth travels. (laughs) Truth travels everywhere. And so um, both in Asian countries and in uh, Nordic countries, I know for a fact Um, they've already translated that article so that um, others can be encouraged in the way that we have. There's a link to that. I would encourage you to read that. I talk in there a lot about why we don't worry. Worry is not our way. And that's exactly what it says right after 
Um, Jesus exhorts us in Matthew 6, 33 to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He tells us in Matthew 6, 34 to be um, anxious for nothing, right? He specifically says it this way. Um, he says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's why early in the week, we didn't say, we know for sure we're not gonna meet this weekend. It wasn't because we were obstinate or hard-hearted. We weren't arrogant. Some of you guys were uh, quick to email. Uh, whatever the coronavirus was doing to you, it wasn't affecting um, your opinions <laughs> or your desire to type me quickly your ideas about how we were responding initially. What we're trying to do is wait and be prudent and be wise. And when facts are there, be great neighbors and equip you to be great people of God right where you are. So just a couple of things. Um, Paul takes Jesus' idea in Matthew 6, 34, where he tells us to not worry, okay? Uh, and in Philippians chapter four, six through, I'll go to all the way through nine. We all know these verses, but let me just repeat them to you. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And it says at that point, the peace of God, which um, passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just talk about a few things here. There, there's a statement that I think we often hear that is partially true. And that is, uh, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Um, I say it's partially true because we do know what the future holds, right? Good health is just the slowest possible path to a certain death. So most of us aren't gonna die by the flu or some virus. Um, most of us aren't gonna die by um, an atomic bomb. And I'll tell you why I say that in just a moment. We're gonna die through the same kinds of things that men and women have died from, from the ages. We do know what the future holds and that is certain death. Hebrews 9.27 says, it's appointed for men to die once. And after this comes judgment. And so Jesus tells us that we should um, through his servant Paul, that we should be people who aren't anxious, but with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. What do we have to be thankful for? We have this to be thankful for. We know what's coming. We know that, um, as it says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, that Jesus is coming quickly and his reward is with him. And he's gonna render to every man according to what he has done. In moments like this, and in moments like we um, spilled into these last days. God says, be faithful. Don't be slack in this day of distress. So I just, um, I, I, so we can be thankful because we know the world is not our home. We know that um, God's coming kingdom doesn't have viruses, doesn't have work stoppages, doesn't um, have anything that will cause us to practice any kind of social distancing. But I'll tell you what else God's eternal kingdom doesn't have. And that's a chance for us to serve him by loving for those who don't know him. And it also doesn't give us a chance to care for and love others. We ended our service together last week in Colossians chapter one, as you remember by reading um, the, the, the latter part of, of that particular passage. And it says in there that we are to fulfill what is lacking in Christ's sufferings. He suffered in every way that he needed to, to bring us into a relationship with God on the cross. But he left us here to be his hands and feet. What a great opportunity um, we have to right now rejoice in our sufferings because our world has changed. As Paul said, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I don't share just on behalf of 
his body, but, which is the church, but he says, and filling up what is lacking in all of Christ's afflictions, of this church, you and I, of this um, particular moment, we are made ministers according to the stewardship from God that he's given us in this moment, which has been stowed upon us for the benefit of the world that we live in so that we might carry out the preaching of the word of God. This is what we read last week. That is the mystery, which long ago nobody knew about, which has been hidden from past ages, but is revealed to us in this particular moment, to this generation, has been manifested to us as saints, to whom God willed to make it known. We have a tremendous opportunity when people are trying to figure out what in the world is going on, whose world this is, and how God loves the world and gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have eternal life. But watch what it says in Colossians 1.27. God willed to make it known to you. Why? Because he wanted Christ in you to be the hope of glory restored. So we should not walk um, according to the course of this world, but we should walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And we should manifest the kindness and the grace of God. And that always looks like this. In Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man in order that we might, uh, with all wisdom, so we might present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose, we labor. March 14th, March 15th, March 16th, and forever while we're on this earth, striving not by our own flesh, but according to his power, which mightily works within me. Church, we love you. We're praying for you. Um, we're confident in you. And we know that God is the least surprised by this particular moment. I went back and uh, I, someone brought me a cup of coffee and uh, I got rid of the particular brand that they brought me the cup of coffee in and they went back and got a coffee cup. And so this random coffee cup that was left in the back just says this, good morning, this is God. I will be handling all your problems today. That's a really corny statement. It's a really biblical truth. And so I pray that in the midst of this, you would know that worry is not your way. Please go back and read through that article that we're going to link to you. I think you'll be encouraged by it. Share it with others and be thankful that the world that we're headed to doesn't have viruses. Be thankful that you know why there's going to be a resurrection for you to life. And encourage others to know that exact same thing. Let me tell you what else I would encourage you to do because I just made some notes uh, for myself as I was just thinking about it. And this would be a great practice for you as you start to think about, hey, what else as I pray and um, with supplication, with thanksgiving, what are some other things we can be thankful for? You know, here's something um, that I just scribbled down as I was just kind of making some notes to myself. Um, and I just said this, our world is slowing down right now. It's the first time in my entire lifetime um, obviously that the NCAA tournament has been wiped out. So I don't know how much time you're going to spend filling out your bracket, okay? But you might want to be somebody who takes advantage of the fact that there's no NBA, there's no NHL. We all know the NFL's over for a while. Who was watching the XFL anyway, all right? And all college basketball is done and a myriad of other things aren't happening. That means you're going to get some time back, those of you that were into those kind of things. Um, some of you are going to be encouraged to work from home, which means you're not going to have to spend that time commuting. Make sure you use your time wisely. Thank God for this moment to slow down and use your time wisely. Uh, people who study such things have said for a long time, this is interesting, so tune in here. People who study such things have said that, um, that because of the exponential growth in human knowledge, that human knowledge has doubled almost every single year. And so there's all kinds of things that are constantly be throwing at us. 
And I love this. I read a long time ago that um, Jonathan Edwards, who lived in the 18th century, that's the 1700s, there's more information in a daily edition of the New York Times than Jonathan Edwards was confronted with his entire lifetime. The brother had no distractions, okay? And so he had more of an opportunity to study God's word and to do God's work. But that's not an excuse for us. I mean, we're not probably grooming our horses or tending to our garden, right? I mean, I know he didn't have a house phone, much less an iPhone that was a constant source of distraction to him, but he disciplined himself. I think even in an age where everybody had the same challenges that that age had, Edwards distinguished himself and so should we. But in this moment, God's given you extra time to be still and to seek him and to know that he is God, to journal, to write, to reflect, to study, to encourage, to be ready to counsel biblically because you gotta have something to say. So download the Join the Journey app. Continue your Bible reading program for this year. Catch up on your effort to read through the Bible this year. All right? Don't waste your time. I bet you Jonathan Edwards spent a fortnight studying his Bible, not putting his Bible aside so he could play Fortnite. So why don't you follow his example, okay? Uh, and get after it. All right, so there's just some high-level thoughts. This is what we're doing this week. We'll let you know as we move through this week what um, being a good neighbor would have us do in our city. Uh, we're gonna continue to give our advice and consent. One of the things I just will let you know, I did ask the mayor about it. I said, hey, mayor, 500 seems to be a kind of a random number. I'd heard the day before it was gonna be 1,000. Then they reduced it to 500, and they even recommend not 250 or more gather. And I just said that, that could be um, considered rather arbitrary. And also, it's curious to me that you didn't shut down movie theaters, which you know a lot of folks are gonna go to, and malls, even though there's some stores that are making decisions. You know, even right before I came up here um, this weekend, uh, Apple announced that it's closing all stores for a while, which is really interesting. That's their effort, I guess, to be either a good neighbor or to care for their employees. But all this to say this, um, I appreciate his response, which is, well, we, we of course had all those options, but we just thought that what we should do is take some steps. And we're asking if you guys would be supportive of us in that. We might get to where we need to take other steps. And I appreciate their effort to be prudent. I appreciate there to be a St. Louis, if you will, in 1919 that um, reduced the long-term impact as they flattened the curve in our city. So the scripture tells us this, to pray for kings and all those who are in authority. I was encouraged that our, our president um, yesterday announced that tomorrow is a national day of prayer uh, or actually not tomorrow, or March 15th, if you're watching this uh, with me then today, is a national day of prayer. And so all of us ought to be praying for kings and all those in authority that we might live quiet and tranquil lives. Pray for your mayor. Pray for city council members. Adam Magoo is a member of Watermark, is one of our city council persons, and uh, is a great gift to us in our city. And so pray. Pray that members of our body would run for school boards and run for city council and would run for uh, state reps and state senators and congresspersons and other ways, that they would serve in that way. Pray for one another. Pray for our nation. Pray for wisdom and be God's people. We'll let you know what we're gonna do as we go forward. Now listen, don't leave, because what we're gonna do, um, just so we can maybe save this next little thing, because that stuff that I've just talked about will, will be a little bit more relative to the particular time that um, we're gathering this weekend in this way. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna study in just a moment something fresh and something encouraging to you. I'm gonna take a look at the censuses in scripture and the plague that came because somebody took a census wrong. We have a census that's about to happen right now in our country. And we've got a bit of a plague 
And so we're gonna see if we can't learn something. I'm taking some fun place in the Bible. I'm gonna answer some Bible problems. I'm gonna show you how to study the scripture. I'm gonna do some application for today. We're gonna roll the bumper just so we can save this for our posterity going forward. And we're gonna have a great time together in God's word. I love you. Praying for you. The elders pray for you. Our staff is praying for you. I know you're praying for one another. I'm proud of you, church. This is our time. You are ready. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, and you have so much to be thankful for. Add to my list, and let's be about it. Let's study God's word together. Oh, wait, one thing. Before we study God's word, and we've talked about a lot of it already, I mentioned atomic bombs, so I don't want to just leave that hanging out there. And so I wanted to share this with you because I thought this was excellent. I've given you more Paul and more Jesus, but I want to give you a little of um, Jack Lewis, also known as C.S. Lewis. He wrote something um, that is just as relevant today um, as when he wrote it. But it's a little essay, and it's called On Living in an Atomic Age. And I want you to listen to this because I thought it was really helpful and really relevant to us. And so just bear with me with a moment, and then we're going to go study more of God's Word together. But this is what he said. And if you want to, as you're listening, why don't you, every time I say atomic bomb, put in coronavirus or epidemic or pandemic or whatever it is that uh, is troubling you at this particular moment. Listen to what Lewis says. He says, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? How are we to live in a pandemic? I'm tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, Lewis writes, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the coronavirus, before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage today over our ancestors, and that is anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all but certainty. This is the first point to be made. Now listen to this. Got about five more sentences and then we're gonna get in God's word. This is the first point Lewis says to be made. And the first act to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are at all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, by a plague, let that plague or bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. So funny, I mentioned the basement in my TGC article and God had Lewis and I thinking similarly, although with a completely different intellect. (laughs) He says, they may break our bodies, parentheses, written in the 1948, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. No, friends, let the word of God dominate your minds That's why we're going to study together right now.